Good morning, everybody. As you know, we have. Thank you, Sinim. Thank you very much. As you know, we have our Sangha meeting today. I'm going to give a short talk ahead of time, and then we'll go get our food. Hiro Sinim is making a special dish for everybody. Mm. Something new. He said he got sick of the lasagna over and over. <laughs> and I said, nobody else did. <laughs> and so he's making something special for us. So thank, thanks to him for that. We'll get some food, and then we'll come back in and have our meeting. But first, the Dharma talk. And when I said it was going to be short, everybody was a little bit happier, right? You don't have to lie. It's okay. I feel the same way sometimes. Because, right. <laughs> because the Dharma doesn't have to be expansive all the time. Sometimes the best Dharma is the simple stuff. Haven't we learned that in all of our years here? But that's not this talk. It's short, but it's not simple. <clears throat> this talk started with reading a sutra, as many of my talks do and many of my inspiration is. And I would encourage everybody to do that a little bit. Just read sutras every now and then, whenever you want to feel inspired or do feel inspired. You can just go to Google and type in Buddhist sutras about togetherness or about kindness or something like that. Not the same way you would do political research. You don't just go to Google and type in bad things about Donald Trump. Because one, you'll find too many things. And two, you don't just want to reaffirm everything that you think, right? But with Buddhist sutras, that's okay because you're looking for that inspiration. And 80,000 of them, you'll find every little piece both ways. And Buddhist sutras in the first place don't make sense. They're not going to say exactly what you want them to say. They're going to say the opposite of what you think they should say. What did we chant this morning? There is no awakening. There is no attainment. There is no dharma. There is no path. Okay, whoa. If you put your hands in hop jung, actually, uh, an aside, there's a character in this sutra called Metakathalika. Metakathalika. Which I think literally translates to frying pan. So henceforth, this character will be known as frying pan. This is a real translation. <clears throat> Words of the Buddha. This is the Siddhaka Sutra at Siddhaka called the Acrobat. I have heard that on one occasion the Blessed One was living among the Sambhas. Now there is a Sambhin town named Siddhaka. There the Blessed One addressed the monks. Monks? Yes, Lord, the monks responded. The Blessed One said, once upon a time, monks, a bamboo acrobat, having erected a bamboo pole, addressed his assistant, Frying Pan. Come, my dear Frying Pan, <coughs> climb up the bamboo pole and stand on my shoulders. As you say, Master, Frying Pan answered, the bamboo acrobat, and climbing up the bamboo pole, stood on his shoulders. So then, the bamboo acrobat said to his assistant, Now you watch after me my dear frying pan, and I'll watch after you. Thus, protecting one another, watching after one another, 
We'll show off our skill, receive our reward, and come down safely from the bamboo pole. When he had said this, Frying Pan said to him, But that won't do at all, Master. You watch after yourself, and I'll watch after myself. And thus, with each of us protecting ourselves, watching after ourselves, we'll show off our skill, receive our reward, and come down safely from the bamboo pole. What Frying Pan, the assistant, said to her master was the right way in that case. Monks, the establishing of mindfulness is to be practiced with the thought, I'll watch after myself. The establishing of mindfulness is to be practiced with the thought, I'll watch after others. When watching after yourself, you watch after others. When watching after others, you watch after yourself. And how do you watch after others while watching after yourself? Through cultivating the practice, through developing it, through pursuing it. This is how you watch after others when watching after yourself. And how do you watch after yourself when watching after others? Through endurance, through harmlessness, through a mind of goodwill, and through sympathy. This is how you watch after yourself when watching after others. The establishing of mindfulness is to be practiced with the thought, I'll watch after myself. The establishing of mindfulness is to be practiced with the thought, I'll watch after others. When watching after yourself, you watch after others. When watching after others, you watch after yourself. So ends the reading. When you watch after others, you watch after yourself. Did you hear that in the sutra? A couple times, <laughs> a few times. A sangha is many, but a sangha is also one, one sangha. It can be represented in a lot of ways too, not just the people who are here today, who are the most important, but also the people in the greater sangha and this entire world and all of the sattvas and beings in the world. But what does that really mean? Is everybody a little comfortable with this idea of everything in the one, the one in everything? Mm -hmm. A little bit comfortable, right? But it also is kind of taking on this taboo. It's like one of those spiritualisms or something that's out there and it's like, yeah, we're all together, you know, but do we practice that in our daily lives? What does it really mean? What does it really mean when we practice it? <coughs> Think about your practice. Pause here for a minute. Uh, I realize that maybe not everybody is the same as me. Just now I realize that. And when I read the sutra and I become inspired by it, I'm, I'm picturing this. I know everybody in this room, I think, at least a little bit. And you're all empaths. You're all very empathetic. You see yourself in other people for sure. When you do that, do you picture yourself in their position? you picture like what it is to have to deal with their problems and like their point of view and everything? Certainly something we can do, but how often do we do it? While I'm telling this Dharma talk and listening to the sutra, your, your job is to be picturing it, okay? So it's like a picture in your mind. Not everybody thinks the same way, but that's what we're doing today, okay? You're going to picture these ideas in your mind. So think about your practice. Picture your practice what you're doing when you're practicing. 
all parts of your practice, not just sitting, but listening, talking, every part of your practice. What's the benefit of your practice? What's the benefit of this mindfulness you're cultivating? Simple, the cessation of suffering. That's what the benefit is, right? The benefit to us when you're watching over yourself. As you develop your mindfulness, you start to see a little bit more clearly who you are. Is that fair to say? You're practicing kindness more. You're understanding things. You're treating everything equal, practicing equanimity. Boundless compassion. That's huge. We all have compassion, but how much of our compassion is limited to certain things? Boundless compassion for everybody. This is the benefit of our practice, of the mindfulness they say to develop. And if you don't think that developing these traits in yourself has a great impact on others, let us tell you that it does. <laughs> Everybody here can tell you how great you practicing on yourself is for us, is for the Sangha. Again, we know that, but do we live that? Is that something we really internalize? We all feel selfish sometimes, right? Everybody feels selfish at some point. Helping yourself, you help others. Helping others, you help yourself. It's kind of basic logic, right? Interconnectedness. We're all interconnected. But if we work to get rid of this overarching idea of self, which we do in Buddhism a lot, and everyone else does that too, now the sentence just becomes, helping is helping. And helping is helping. There's no you, there's no others. It's just helping, right? That is the purest bodhisattva path. When we were talking about keeping it simple, that's simple. Just helping. We're going to talk about some problems maybe you would have with uh, some relationships you have. You know, you and others. Our relationships, us and others. And always the purest path is just helping. Doesn't, we don't need to think about, like, should I be helping that person? Or should this be this way? Should it be this way? Should this help manifest itself in this way? It's just helping. Indiscriminate loving-kindness, metta. It's a very basic grade school mantra, right? You could hear that in the kindergarten class. Helping is helping. The Care Bears do that. Helping is helping. But it's actually very deep and very accurate. Carry that with you a little bit. Applicable to our lives here, too, not just philosophy. We spend so much time deciding what to do with our lives, every little aspect is a choice we feel we have to make. You have the choice to stand up and leave right now or sit here, and you're choosing to sit here, most of you, <laughs> for now. What's guiding us with our choices every day? <coughs> Probably fear, a lot of fear, and other anxieties like that. Stemming from our desires and cravings, because the choice that we make is going to impact our future us, and we're afraid of what future us might have to deal with. Reasonable fears, too. These are all kleshas, <coughs> clouding our right view. If we work hard and practice, we can see through the kleshas. And what are we left with? Once we get rid of all these uh, 
the poisons, the poisons of ignorance, of delusion, of greed, of hatred, of fear, anxiety. What does life look like if we actually do get past those things? We have so much of it in our lives, I know it feels like you can't, but what does it look like when you do, even for a minute, get past those things? We call that Buddha nature. That's like your pure pureness coming out. We're able to be compassionate without deciding it. We're able just to help without this us versus them type of thing. That's true interconnectedness. That's the, that's the purest bodhisattva way. That's the purest form of it. Now we're in the real world, world here. We're picturing the real world. This isn't just a Dharma talk. Put yourself there. Maybe some of you have kids. Anybody here have kids? Raise of hands is uh, good here. And maybe you've already raised them, you feel, or you never stop raising them. You're continuously raising them. Does anybody here have a partner, romantic or life partner? Or maybe a best friend. Not romantic, but like somebody you trust more than anyone. I think that might be the same person for me. Does anybody here have a family or a family member? Everybody. Are any of them going through a tough time? Do you ever feel like you need to help them? Or just somebody that you know, somebody you're close to, somebody that you really care about. You don't know maybe that well. This could be the relationship some of us have in this room. We know each other pretty well and we really care about each other, but maybe we don't know the whole story. You know, it's a lot to know somebody's whole story. But they struggle and you wish you could do something about it. Or maybe for you, you want to think a little bigger, and you are a steward of the earth, of all the animals, the environment. Because if you don't speak for them, who will? The Lorax. <laughs> right? Have you read that story? He's fake. He doesn't exist. He's still cutting down trees. It didn't work. You're the steward for him. Or maybe you have such a deep passion for humanity, and you know politics is the way to help. And you spend your time informing yourself and reading stories online and watching the news to make good choices at the ballot box, maybe even make a difference out there, trying to make the world a better place. Has anybody in this room had, had that kind of a feeling? Like you want to make the world a better place, but you don't know how. You consume the news media and you get enraged by the problems that you see. And why haven't we solved them? In all of these cases, we're the acrobats, carrying the weight of something else on our shoulders. In some ways, we were put there on that bamboo pole. We didn't climb the pole ourselves. But in other ways, we're only there because we decided to stay there. Because we said, we're going to bear that weight on top of this wobbly pole. Are you picturing it? Big, how long does it need to be? Let's say like 10 feet, okay? 10-foot pole, not easy to jump off of. There's something about us that made us decide to stay there. And now you have a problem. You're bearing all this weight, and those answers aren't easy answers, are they? You might have fit in every one of those categories that I just listed, and that's a lot of things that you have to worry about. 
Well, that's the end of the talk. Good luck <laughs> out there. <laughs> Just kidding. A little bit more. Sure, you want to take care of everything, and you truly see the interconnectedness of you and all these other things. You want to help, don't you? Can you just feel your Buddha nature in there? That's this like beautiful engine inside of you that's saying like, we need to help everybody out there. This is the Bodhisattva path. Everybody gets awakened at the same time. Not just me, everybody. And even when you're like super angry and cynical because Donald Trump just insulted somebody else or something about you, your anger and your cynicism is really fueled by a desire for a world where that doesn't happen. Where insults don't need to be hurled around. Or where people don't need to be attacked all the time. Right? Everybody. Not just you and your people. Everybody deserves that. Let's go back to the kids, because I feel like kids are probably the best uh, analogy for the acrobats, right? You can imagine the kids up on a bamboo pole there. Anybody who's raised kids or knows people who've raised kids or have been the kid knows that the parent is going to be concerned about what the child is doing. You can think of probably very specific arguments that you had with your kids or that you had with your parent about something that, if you're the parent, you feel like you can't say anything to the kid because if you say something, they're just going to do the opposite. They aren't going to take your advice. And if you don't say something, they're still going to do that same thing because they don't know any better. And so it's a lose-lose situation. And you're bearing the anxiety of this problem. What do you do? Nothing you do is going to help. The kid's going to make the same mistake. Does everybody have that experience here? If not with a kid, with somebody else. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. How did any of us make it where we are when everybody went through that? Everybody had that same problem. We want to help people, but also we were the ones trying to be helped at some point. And we didn't listen to anybody, and we still did the thing that was a problem and made some mistakes. How are we all here? That's amazing, isn't it? If you have a partner or a close friend, you know that telling your partner what you think they should do is never going to work. That never works. But also, you watch them go down a path that maybe you think they're going to hurt themselves. That doesn't work either. That doesn't feel very good either. You didn't say something and now you feel bad. The only thing you can really do is get that big I told you so ready. That'll help, right? Get that, prepare that for when it all falls apart. Ah, I told you so. That was a good word. That works. Try it. And as your parents start to get older, now the role switches. As the parent was trying to help the child, now the children have to try to help the parents. But is that an easy transition to make? I don't think so. Do the parents want to accept help from their kids? No. There's a pride issue there, right? We can all see that. We are going to be that one day if we aren't already that. We're both sides of that equation. 
also feels like maybe if you're older and you have so much wisdom in your years and then people are constantly telling you what to do, it's like, I've been around the block. I don't need to be told what to do. You want to jump in and help your friends with their problems, but you don't know the whole story. You know you want to do something, but you don't really know what to do. If you're really empathetic, you feel these things quite a bit, and I think most of you in here do. And all of those very, very common relationships are the weight of the whole world on your shoulders. Damn, is that a lot to bear, huh? Sometimes I argue with my very, 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 very sweet fiancé. And I start getting angry. And the fight like explodes into this whole thing. And I think, I'm a freaking Buddhist teacher. How have I not learned by now? Been together 10 years. How have I not learned to not have these stupid fights? Well, the conclusion is I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Thank you. Oh, just kidding, it's not done yet. So, I don't know what the solution is, and you guys don't know what the solution is either. So don't think you're all high and mighty. I don't know, but you don't know either. And guess what? The Buddha didn't know either. The Buddha didn't know what the solution was. These are all very, very specific things. How is the Buddha supposed to know, like, who should get the internet password? He can't put that in the sutra 2,500 years ago. He's not going to know the nuances of everyday life in America where the politicians are in your newsfeed every 10 seconds and you get angered and angered by the, the TikToks and things. The sutra isn't about exact answers. That's the beautiful part. What it does say something about is acrobats. And if you're an acrobat, you'll be getting very specific advice here. Very practical knowledge. But the Sutra also says, when watching after yourself, you watch after others. When watching after others, you watch after yourself. What is this kind of, this is saying reject duality. This is the interconnectedness, right? You can't have interconnectedness if there's so many separate things. Embrace the interconnectedness. Think about how this really sits down in your soul. How do you internalize that idea? Are you practicing equanimity in your daily life? says to deal with these situations in life through endurance, through harmlessness, through a mind of goodwill, and through sympathy. Are we cultivating these practices? You've got to be real with yourself. Again, this isn't the answer I have for you. This is the answer I'm thinking about for myself. The sutra is not going to tell you exactly what you need to do. The sutra is setting you up to solve that problem yourself. You're really not stewards of everybody's problem in the world, you're stu stewards of the Dharma. Sometimes the best way to cultivate harmlessness is to sit in one place for a little bit, quietly without moving. Existence permeates through everything when you're sitting there in meditation. The Buddha had this revelation under the Bodhi tree. I'm just going to throw something 
practical out there. Like let's say in this parent-kid relationship, which I think most people are familiar with. Like maybe the best path is to lead by example with your kid. You can't tell the kid what to do. The kid's going to make mistakes. But maybe the best way is just to be the best parent you can be. Help yourself to help the kid. What we think isn't going to stick with them. It's hard to even express what you think to your kid because they're not in the same place that you are, right? They're going to do what they want anyway. Maybe the only approach is to work on ourselves, to accept it and prepare what comes after. Continue accepting your children after they make those mistakes. The equanimity part of this, the interconnected part of it is, not just that they made the mistake, that we make mistakes too. And that we're one and the same. The kids aren't that much different. And so we don't just reserve the praise for when they do something good, like we're training the dog to get the treat at the door. Loving kindness is there all the time, even when they do make mistakes. Instead of being resentful or angry. We show them how to live a good life by living a good life ourselves. We learn things more organically this way, don't we? Without having to be taught. We don't need to have the words so much. We just do it by experience. And certainly parents go through a time where they realize the kids aren't going to be the same as them. Right? We try to raise them in our image to live a right life the way we see it. But the kids are growing up in a different world. And they're going to be different people. And all people are different. And when we come to accept that, now the children can start to really be themselves and learn their lessons that they need to. This doesn't just stick with children, this sticks with our family, our friends, people we don't know, the whole world. Have you ever ex expressed kindness to like a bird, by giving the bird the bird seed? You be your best person so that the bird can be a better bird. Help yourself to help others. It's like being on a tall bamboo pole. If you try to balance the person above you, the bamboo pole is wobbling, and you're both going to fall. But if you're on the bamboo pole, and you try to really steady yourself, and worry about your balance, what have you created? A wonderful platform for somebody to balance themselves on top of you, to support them. This Sangha, is held up by a lot of bamboo poles. Every one of you is on a bamboo pole holding us up. And not to make you feel like you have way too much responsibility now. Since there's so many poles, if one of them gets a little wobbly, think of like a big, big building, right? On a bunch of foundation of bamboo poles. If one of them gets a little wobbly, you can actually like hold on to the building for a little bit. Straighten yourself up, right? Because the people around you are holding it up. If we all get too wobbly, maybe it falls down and crushes us. <laughs> it's an amazing thing to think. Like huge, huge. Uh, is it not okay to call our sangha huge? But <laughs> a big, big building held up just by bamboo poles. Lots of little bamboo poles. It's amazing, but also difficult sometimes. I understand that. A lot of balance and a lot of hard work. So I would like to say, 
Thank you for your literal and figurative support in this sangha. That's the actual end. Thank you. <laughs> Can you get the recording? <laughs>